A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. G'day, this is Better Than Yesterday, Better Make It Quick. It's the Wednesday edition of the show where we go through the back catalogue and find an episode from a a little while ago now, I guess, that is just as good as the day it was born, really. Because we've been doing this for 10 years now and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews and you might not always get the chance to scroll on back. You've got lots of podcasts to listen to every week. I've got lots of podcasts to listen to every week. So here's a little teaser and if you like what you hear, you can go back and listen to the full thing. Uh, My name's Osher Ginsberg. I'm a TV host, I'm an author, I'm a podcaster. I'm grateful to be with you here today because we are going to have a short conversation for a much longer conversation with Kirk Docker. That name may not be recognizable to you, but Kirk Docker is the Australian co-creator, executive producer, and very rarely seen interviewer behind the landmark and groundbreaking ABC TV show, You Can't Ask That. Kirk Docker has won a Walkley Award, a Rose Door and an actor for his incredible work. He is fundamentally a brilliant, brilliant storyteller, and the show that he has made does huge amounts for breaking down stereotypes and addressing biases around marginalized people in our community. I absolutely loved having a conversation with him. Uh, This is in 2021. Kirk and I spoke about his career journey, what excites him, his advice on how to change the way you have a conversation and a few other things. Kirk started working in television on a TV show called Hungry Beast, which you may have forgotten. It didn't last very long, but the people that were involved in that were pretty amazing. Yeah. And that was really how I came into the way that I work in the media now. It was a call out in 2009 across the country. And what Andrew was looking to do after an uproar was to create a new type of current affairs show, getting up-and-coming media talent across the country and go, if I could put 15 young 
media people into a room together and say, make a current affairs show, whatever the hell you want to make, what would you do? And the idea was that we were all from digital native backgrounds. So I'd been creating some online content and the piece of content I submitted to him was where I'd gone into a, um, a high-rise commission flat in Victoria and Collingwood and I interviewed two addicts as they shot up heroin, one in a neck and, and one in his arm. And they talked through what the experience was like. And I sat there and I actually wanted to understand the experience because I felt like the sort of stuff that we were seeing, and this is 2006, 2007, still no YouTube, the sort of content we were seeing around this sort of stuff was you either saw the Herald Sun putting how many deaths had been, or it was sort of glamorized on something like a Sopranos. You never really got to understand this. So we were really curious about understanding sorts of experiences. And so this is the piece I submitted and worked on Hungry Beast. And so the Vox Pop was really that was about going out and getting a sense of how Australia thinks and, and, and what they believe in, in, in 2009, 2010, but not ask things about politics or ask things where we're looking for opinion. Because typically um, the Vox Pop is about the opinion. There's something that's happened in the, in the news and they go out in the street and say, well, what do you think about that thing that's just happened? And that's a daunting thing for people to answer because they feel like they have to look smart. They have to say something interesting. They have to be you know, intelligent. They don't want to screw it up. Whereas I was more interested in trying to understand people. And um, in some respects, we were inspired by Front Up, that show on SBS. The Love guy it. used to go out in the street and just interview someone yeah, walking yeah. down the street. Andrew Urban, amazing. Yeah, amazing show. And um, so that was sort of the inspiration. It's like, let's ask these universal questions. Ask anyone on the street, what do you fear? What was your favorite thing to play when you were a kid? What stresses you out? When have you let someone down? If you could do something again over in your life, what would you do? So you're asking these questions which every single person generally has an answer for. And what we wanted to do was cut all these answers together to sort of show unified voice in a sense. You could look at someone from across the other side of the country and you could empathize with them. You could go, wow, you look so different from me, yet you said something that really resonated with me. And so that's what the point of this segment was, just to sort of show a snapshot of the country but try and bridge the gap between people that we thought were so different from ourselves and actual fact they aren't. Uh, which is what I, it's kind of that, it, the, the kernel of what you can't ask that does, which is not having a political opinion on something, but just humanizing the situation. And I do want to talk about that, but I think it would be remiss to not discuss that people often say, oh, you know, they go, oh my God, Channel V, which I'd, I'd started on. I can't believe what happened to Channel V in that, you know, it was a period of only about two or three years that we were all there, but the talent that came out of this incredibly concentrated period of production on camera, uh, myself, Jabba, James Matheson, Yumi Steins, off camera, people like Ben Richardson, who's now the head honcho of Viacom, uh, people like Jackie Riddell, Stuart Sabotic, Emma Barclay over in the UK, like incredible, incredible production talent came out of there. Hungry Beast was the same. It's like a, a who's who. Dan Elliott, Kirsten Drysdale, um, Veronica Milsom, Lewis Hobber, Mark Fennell, you. What was it about what was happening at Hungry Beast that just launched these people? Some other freaks too, like Pat Clare, who's won like a heap of Emmys for doing the opening titles of like True Detective and a whole lot of other Holy stuff. shit. He started Hungry Beast? Really amazing. Yeah, it's a really amazing um, talent that came out of it. What was it? It's interesting. Partly I think we're all very driven we're all sort of self-made in a, in a sense. In that late 2000s period, if you were coming through, you sort of understood what was changing with the online stuff and what existed in the 
traditional media. So we're on this cusp of this change. And there was a lot of fear at that time about, oh my God, media is over, traditional media is dead. You know, this idea of a black credit card from the 80s, you could go and just spend anything on these 60 minute trips. What are we going to do? And so we, I think this group of people coming through actually saw it the other way. There was this amazing opportunity that we had these tools where suddenly we could be published and we could be noticed and we could make stuff that previously we couldn't and we couldn't have been noticed. So I think we're all dying to be noticed. We wanted to make something bigger than these sort of little channels that we were on. So coming together was just this, I suppose it was this amazing opportunity to be grasped with both hands. Kirk Docker has a truly remarkable talent in interviewing people. I have been interviewed by Kirk and I don't know, I do interviewing for a job and he's very bloody good at it. I've always been curious to know what it is that excites Kirk and the things that happen in his brain when he meets someone. And that ability to turn both of those feelings into quite a wonderfully fascinating conversation. You know, I get very, very excited about finding people that are weird and unusual that do things that are different. I remember meeting a couple at a, uh, a fetish expo back in the late 2000s. And um, they were a, an older couple, sort of your mum and dad age, and they lived in a 24-hour-a-day master and slave relationship. And then you know, I struck this conversation. They said, come around to my place and have a meeting. And let's see if we can work something out to film a little story. And I remember leaving that day after talking to them, they agreed to do it and call my collaborator at the time and just being so excited that I had the chance to go into this unusual world that I didn't understand. Not because it was freaky or strange or I had any judgment to it. I was just like so curious about understanding something that otherwise you wouldn't normally get this access to. So for me, I really see my interviews as being like, I have this incredible opportunity. Everyone throws around this word privilege all the time. But I do, I really have this chance where this person's sitting in front of me and I have their undivided attention for a couple of hours and I can just let my curiosity go wild and ask anything. So when you said before, I sit in front of you for 90 minutes, look, I have the 10 questions that are written from you can ask that the people send in, but everything else is in the moment. Everything else comes from what arises in the moment, the hooks, these little moments that spark, you know, people, you have them all the time and you have conversations with people. And I think most of the time in conversations, people are more way to talk than really listen to what someone says. But if you really listen to someone, they'll give you these little moments that you can go, oh, I could follow that path or I could follow that path or I could follow that path. And that very much excites me that I can have someone sitting in front of me throwing me these hooks and um, I can choose to follow any of them up. You've done, I can't imagine how many, it's got to be hundreds of these by now, sitting face to face with someone. Well, on You Can't Ask That, close to 600. Yeah. In the street, I reckon I've done probably three to 4,000 interviews in the street where I've just stopped someone that stood in front of me for 10, 15 minutes. So you have a unique perspective on what it is to be human, but I guess also what it is to be Australian. Do you ever, do you ever think that, that you have this window that the rest of society doesn't? Yeah, I do. I think that I've been very lucky to talk to a lot of people. I, I live in Redfern and I, why I love living in Redfern is it's got an incredible mixture of all sorts right there. And if you sit and have a coffee on the main street in Redfern, which I like to do in the mornings, most of the time I just like watching who walks past me because you straight away think every single person who walks past you and they walk past different paces and they've got different energies and all this sort of stuff. You think, wow, every single person who comes past me right now, they've got 
all this stuff going on for them. If I was to sit in front of them right now, they've got all this stuff. And it could be incredible triumphs. They could have had some incredible success or they could have had a heartbreak or they could have had someone in their life die or they could be dealing with torment or they could be bored or whatever it is. And that's true for every single person. Um, it's not some magical thing if you have a label like OCD or a swinger or whatever it is that you're interesting suddenly. Everyone has it. And so my unique take on Australians is that really everyone has a whole lot of things that they need to express about. A lot of people have a lot of trauma. And that was one of the things I got from speaking to people in the street. A lot of people have a lot of trauma from being young, from being kids that they carry. And a lot of people don't have the chance to open up about it and tell people about it get past the superficial nature of our lives and get into something real. And people are dying to get past that. You've spoken to Australians, you know, in the time that you've made the show. Do you, do you see us that we've changed in any way? Hmm. I think you've got to understand that in the last five years, I've spoken to people who are generally misunderstood, marginalised. Mm. They aren't typically listened to. What I feel like that's been happening in the last five years is that there is a change, there's a shift in people being understood, that people are being listened to, that we are seeing faces in our media on television that you don't typically get to see, that there is a shift towards understanding uh, people who are different from ourselves. So I feel like that's true. I don't think that's necessarily reflected in the way that our governments act, but I feel like that a lot of organisations are really being aware of differences that exist and, and being accepting of that. And so people are feeling more comfortable to come and talk about that stuff and feeling more, um, ha having more courage to go, hang on, I'm this thing now and this used to be so strange and so weird, but isn't. And feeling much more comfortable to put their hand up and put that out there, I think, than what there was maybe five years ago. Some things were weird or strange or so different from themselves, a feeling that that is not the case anymore. But also the, the generations are coming through are changing. So, you know, we're looking at Gen Zers now and they are accepting, you know, is different from the older generations. And so they are telling their parents, their boomer parents, hey, you can't talk this way and you can't act this way. And so it's, we're in a stage of turmoil at the moment about how people feel about the world. We're having a short version of a longer conversation with Kirk Docker uh, for episode 385, which is in the podcast feed if you scroll back and have a listen but if you want just a teensy teensy tiny bit more we'll be back in a minute just got to play some ads to pay the bills we'll see you in a minute if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Better Make It Quick. I'm Osher Gensberg, and this is a short version of the Kirk Doc conversation, which you can find on the podcast feed at ep 385. Kirk Doc is the co-creator and the, the interviewer behind the landmark Australian television show, You Can't Ask That. Now, Kirk is connected with so many people, hundreds, if not thousands of people through his conversation. So I wanted to know, what would be his top three tips for anybody who's listening to this right now around wanting to connect better to another person through having a conversation? Well, the first thing I want to say is you need to get rid of lazy questions out of your life. The laziest question is, oh, what's been happening? What have you been up to? Because I feel like that question means that the person who has to answer it, something has to entertain you with something interesting they did. Or, and if you're not entertaining, well, it's the person who asks the question, you're going to get bored and ask and move on to somewhere else. So I feel like that's a really challenging question um, to ask. So try and ask something that's actually, I try and when I meet someone for the first time, I try and find something. It's not an icebreaker as, as such, but it shows, I talk about something which shows we're similar. I, find, I try and find something as quick as I can that shows we have something in common. You and me talked about bicycles. Exactly. Exactly. We talked about bikes, right? Yeah. That's something you wore. And, and you can often notice it with people, um, where they've come from or what they've been doing. My dad, I didn't really talk about my parents early on, and I think a lot of where I get my skills from is also from my parents. So my dad was a Kentucky tour guide in the 70s, and my mum somehow managed to tame him. Well, he might argue otherwise. But, you know, when I see my dad walk, you know, he stays at my place sometimes in Redfern. I've got this bar out the front that I've built, and he'll sit there, and people walk past. He'll just start asking them stuff that's in their shopping bag. And he'll have something that you can talk about. He often asks, actually, too, where someone's from. Now, I know people get very funny about asking where you're from, but his reason for asking it is chances are he's been there. So, And if he's been there, it means that he has something that he can connect with. He can show, hang on, you and I, we're the same in this small world. Um, so it's about finding that thing with someone that you go, oh, my God, we're the same in some small way. But so I always, I always feel like that's good. It's finding something in common. I do ask people what they're, you know, what they've been up to that day, but I actually really am interested in the answer. And what I'm listening for is something that I can then hone in on that resonates with me, that we can have something in mutual, not looking for that person just to entertain me. That's super cool. And I guess, you know, I guess, I don't know, the other thing is like, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. They're, they're another human being and they're just trying to get through the day. They're just, you know, hoping the next toilet's not too far away. They're hoping that, you know, there's enough dinner in the fridge. They're hoping that, you know. They That's get, right. They... Try not to talk about coronavirus so much. <laughs> it's the most boring conversation. You know what? A, a good task I often give some people I work with to do is try and start a conversation with someone that you've never met. Just when you walk down the street, and it could be the person who serves you coffee, it could be just someone who's walking past you. It's very easy if someone has a dog. That's a very easy one to start a conversation with. If someone's got something weird, I saw a guy the other day had this weird yellow thing hanging from his keys, 
And I said, hey, what's that yellow thing hanging from your keys? He goes, oh, I work a lot with boats. And if the keys fall out, that's what makes it, you know, float there, whatever. The conversation only lasted for a minute or so, but I was just curious about that thing. And I just wanted to know what the thing was. And I asked it with care and love and not from a place of judgment. And he answered it and we had this chat. And it happens all the time if you want it to. Now, it's tiring to do it. But if you want to get better at it, try it once a day. Start an interaction with someone you've never met. But what do you get out of that interaction? How did you walk away? What did you feel inside your body after the lights went green and you went your separate ways? How did you feel inside your body after you'd had that connection with another stranger? I feel great because I'm connected to someone. I'm not just focused on me and my own life the whole time. And um, it's just broadening my skills at being able to talk to people because who knows when you need to be able to talk to someone you don't know, have anything in common with. Who knows if you need to be able to build some rapport with someone you've never met. Who knows if I'd got some amazing story out of that or if I'd met someone that, that could be useful to me or who knows? There's any myriad of things that come out of a, of a random interaction. Kirk, I really could talk to you all afternoon. I'm so grateful for your time and I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, mate. I've, I have been interviewed by a lot of people and I have done a gajillion interviews and the time that we spent together in that studio at the ABC, I'm, I'll forever remember it as one of the, the <laughs> most connected experiences that I've had and I think the amount of care that you put into our chat is so evident in every episode of your show that I watch and I'm really grateful that you could give a shit to make it because it's fucking important. It's a really important show for our community and I'm really grateful you do it. Thanks, man. Thank you. And I'm thanks that you uh, enjoyed the experience because I actually I find it quite difficult talking to people who have done a lot of interviews because they, like you said, they, they know the matrix. Yeah. You know, they, they've been through this experience before. So you're, you are battling that. You're trying to get them past where they give you these responses which they know are good or what you need and to just be themselves. And um, to your credit, you know, you were yourself. <laughs> I, I felt like I saw a side of you I had never seen before and I really, really appreciated that. If you'd like to hear my full conversation with Kirk Docker, and I thoroughly recommend it, back a ways, 385 is the number you're looking for. At 385 with Kirk Docker right here on the podcast feed. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to the people that helped me make this show today. Andy Ma on audio and video post-production. Abby Benno, uh, who produced this episode. And you for listening. Thanks heaps. I really appreciate you being here. Tell a mate. If you want to get in touch with me, send us your email at gmail.com. If you want to share this episode with somebody that needs to hear it, please do so. That stuff really, really helps us. If you want to share it on your social feed or whatever, that all, all, all helps us because people come and go all the time. So if you can subscribe, do. If you want to share it with someone, please do. If you don't, fine. I'll see you Friday. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.